Woohoo! Hey, we're we're on. Cool. We're live. Go. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's me, your host, Felipe. Half of uh, one half of the Total Basis podcast, and with me as always is Sean Flannery. Sean, how you doing today? I am awesome, guys. Uh, ready for another week? Uh, had a couple of signings. Uh, no real trades, but you know. Uh, I think the free agent market is starting to heat up a little bit. You know, we're about a month out from pitchers and catchers reporting. So these teams, if, if they're going to sign players, they got to get to it now. Yeah, I believe uh, pitchers and catchers report. Uh, the first one, it's I think it's still the Baltimore Orioles on February 16th, I believe. That's when yes. they decided to go live this year. So, yeah, it's only – oh, crap, it's only a month away. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, if you're in fantasy leagues like we are, uh, you, this is the time of year where you really have to start pushing and start thinking about what about strategy and rankings and all that. Uh, but that's why we're here, right, Sean? We're gonna guide you. We're gonna help you because we you know we, we we help you by helping ourselves and vice versa. So let's get started, man. Uh, we have the transactions that we wanted to talk about uh, beginning on the 11th of January, and it's a big one. It's a big one. The Chicago White Sox. Signed, arguably, if not the absolute best relief pitcher available at, in the free agent market, and Liam Hendricks. Uh, I hope you all like the little teaser I did from last night where I made all the Australian references there. <laughs> but, man, I've always liked Liam Hendricks. He's been one of the better um, relief clo- uh, relief pitchers uh, for quite a while now. For uh, uh, like, I just remember when I used to do the. Uh, my, my own personal rankings when I would uh, do the uh, statistical uh, composition data, you know, the FUBAR and all that. Yeah. He was always at the top of the list, Liam Hendricks. And he wasn't even closing necessarily. He was just a very good, effective pitcher uh, coming out of the bullpen for the Blue Jays and uh, then the Athletics. And then uh, recently he he was uh, elevated to the closers role where he's just been flourishing. The strikeouts have gone up and – it's a really good signing for the White Sox, who seem to always lack uh, bullpen help. Um, the only concern I have is that he's over 30. That's fine. As we know, pitchers who are older you tend to uh, uh, be more reliable and <laughs> and uh, surprisingly surprisingly durable. And then the only other concern is that the Oakland Athletics, I feel like they use them to the point of near exhaustion. I know he had like a 50-pitch game performance against the very same White yep. Sox team. That was probably what got him uh, on board, right, Sean? Like, hey, we should get this guy next year. <laughs> Holy crap, that way he can't do it to us. <laughs> so this means that the White Sox bullpen, uh, I guess no more Alex Colome for next season for this uh, Southsiders. So, oh, well, uh, he wasn't good to begin with, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but it's a decent uh, – it still has a lot of work to be done, but it's a really good, uh, decent enough bullpen where I can honestly say that as a White Sox fan, as you guys know, I do root for both the Cubs and the White Sox. I am wearing my uh, my Chicago T-shirt, the Jake <laughs> Peavy edition. Yeah, that's right. Jake Peavy at one point did pitch for the White Sox. And uh, it's, it's a really good bullpen. This, this looks a lot better than last year. And now you put Liam Hendricks at the back end to uh, be the anchor of that uh, core. I mean that that's that's legit, man. That is that that that's a very strong. I mean, do you see it that same way, Sean, or am I just being too biased here as a White Sox fan? No, he was the the cream of the crop when it came to the relief pitching core. Um, some interesting kind of you know notes on Liam Hendricks is that his career started all the way back as a starting pitcher for the Twins 
In 2011, he made four starts that year. And from 2011 to 2018, uh, before he was DFA'd by the Athletics, before they brought him back on a, a minor league deal, he pitched 406 innings in 245 games, 42 of them being starts. And he had an, a 4.72 ERA, a K per nine under one per inning, and just really wasn't a good pitcher. I mean, over seven years, his war over that time period was 4.2. That's just kind of like a middling so-so reliever. Well, in the last two years, in a quarter of the amount of innings, he's posted a 5.2 war, a K per nine of over 13. The walks are still under two per nine. He, he's just insane. Um, the only real worry is, is he's gotten more and more of a, a fly ball pitcher and, you know, that's a very friendly thing if you're in Oakland. You know, there's right. literally loads of space for where the ball can land or not land. Um, <laughs> it's the land. It's yeah. land of folks. Yeah, it's, it's going to land in a, a glove. Um, but then now you go to Chicago, which is a bit more of a hitter-friendly ballpark. Mm -hmm. So we'll see what adjustments are made there. But he also has one of the best framing catchers in the game behind the plate is Monty Grandal. And, of course, the big thing that Liam Hendricks has credited – to kind of turning his career around has been the group over at Codify Baseball. Uh, if you haven't heard of them, be sure to go check them out on Twitter. Um, they have several clients now. Trevor Mays one, Marcus Stroman is one as well. And they really, they work with the pitcher on their individual arsenal, as well as how their opponent is doing in certain counts. And it kind of, it gives them more of the structured mathematical game plan on when they're facing this hitter and they get to this count, what pitch should they try and throw and where should they try and throw it? And it's based a lot of on heat maps. And like I said, go check them out on Twitter. They explain it better. But it's really cool, and it's he's one of their major success stories uh, because after he got DFA'd in 2018 was when he switched over to Codify. And then, of course, um, he just took off. <laughs> I just found out uh, while you were talking there, I, I was just kind of curious to see what his swinging strike rate percentage was. And it, I believe that was a career high 19%, uh, actually 19.2, according to Fangraphs. Puts him number five uh, behind guys like Ryan Tapera, which that's uh, kind of shocking there. But hey, uh, MVP vote getting Ryan Tapera makes an appearance. Uh, your guy, Edwin Diaz, uh, number three, uh, Tanner Rainey. And, of course, our favorite relief pitcher from last year, Devin Williams, at 22.3%. It's just getting ridiculous, These some of these uh, high swinging strike rates. Uh, it just seems to keep rising and rising and rising to newer heights. And when I saw Liam Hendricks, I thought 19%. Wow, that must have led the league. Nope, top five. But, you know, I'm hoping that some of that swing and miss stuff uh, is able to carry over even to a hitter-friendly ballpark like Chicago. Uh, because uh, uh, even then, the White Sox still had a pretty good bullpen last year. Yeah. The hitter-friendly ballpark. They got a lot of interesting pieces. In yes, it, for sure. Do. So, yeah, uh, he still throws a 96-plus uh, 96 miles an hour, according to pitch effects, uh, that's average uh, velocity on his fastball, his four-seamer. So, uh, yeah, it is. that Again, that's another concern, going from a bigger ballpark to a smaller ballpark. But I still think that... Uh, he should be able to adjust. Uh, he's proven that he's uh, has the stuff that it takes to uh, continue to be an elite reliever. And with that said, I mean, with Liam Hendricks on board now, this team 
there's still a lot of uh, shakiness with this White Sox team. I know we talked about the Mets last week, so we're, let, let's see. Let's talk about one of my, the other favorite team here. It's the White Sox. Uh, the bench, I, I would like to see better bench pieces. I don't want to see, according to roster resource, Adam Engel is your starting left fielder, which I'm about to vomit if that's the case. Uh, hey, Nick, Mick, he, he could be in there with Mick or Adolfo. I mean, yeah. it's not an interesting name. Yeah, like I said, the the the, the bench could uh, could you be better at this point? Uh, Nick Magigal is your starting second baseman, and it's an argument I always have with my buddy Matt Bushnell over at the Audible at the Football Life, the Football Life podcast. There, um, it's like I I don't want Nick Magigal to just necessarily be my starting second baseman. I saw a few names that are available this off season. Uh, I'll even take Marwin Gonzalez in a share at second base. Until Nick Magical realizes that he can't just depend on being a punch and Judy hitter for the rest of his life. Then. Of course he can. No. Uh, duh. Duh. He's no. going to be Jose Altuve. Thank you very much. Not at this rate. At this rate, he's going to need those trash cans, bro. I mean, he's going to need those he's trash cans to be like Jose Altuve. I don't want <laughs> 369 slugging percentage. And, well, who cares? It was like 100 at bats. No, 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 no. He was supposed no, an elite, an elite. Prospect like this guy supposed to be like all these White Sox fans are telling me. No, I need better from him, and I would have preferred just like last year. I would have preferred seeing a veteran second base. It baseman. was hundred and nine plate appearances. I don't care. Everybody had a Give me in your average, Hold on, average exit velocity eighty four miles an hour. That's not going to cut it. I'm That's sorry. not his. That is his game. That is his game. No, no, no his game's supposed to be better than that. Now, like you guys always tell me that the potential and upside are always there for him. I don't. I'm not. I I needed to be there. We can't be developing players in a year where it's World Series or bust. Because guess what, Sean? This is this has to be the best AL team at the moment. Uh, as the Yankees aren't doing anything except for re-signing DJ LeMahieu, but it, they're you know it's the same team that didn't do any uh, that. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, God, what happened to them? I, I don't remember. I know they didn't make the World Series. Oh, they lost to the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, uh, a smaller <laughs> market than they did. Uh, and, and speaking of Tampa, they're not doing anything. Oakland just lost their closer. The Astros are still, you know, reeling from the trash can situation. The Twins aren't doing anything. Cleveland, although we like their pitching, they're not doing anything. It's the White Sox, not just division to lose. It's their league to lose as well. This could be a very good, if not your AL representative for the 2021 World Series against Dodgers. Or not the Dodgers, sorry. Uh, bear with me here. I got a lot of things going. But – it's these little things. Adam Engel, starting left fielder. No. Nick Magical, you're just going to give him the second base job and no competition from any veteran? I don't think so. We saw what happened when in, with the Chicago Bears when you just let Mitch Trubisky, you hand him the role, not not expect him to lose a job at any point. At any point. No, that's no. Light a fire in his ass. I want more line drives. Not line drives, but just the. Uh, more force out of that bat. I, I, I'm just, I'm not a fan of these, like, oh, well, he's just a second baseman batting ninth. Well, then th this is a championship caliber team. There shouldn't 304 be. expected batting average. Even with his 84-mile ex average exit velocity, his similar batter comps are Andrelton Simmons, David Fletcher, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, Hanser Alberto, no, and Colton Paul. There's nothing wrong with that. Right You're just There's telling me automatic outs. Nick Magical is supposed to be better than that. I mean, I'm sorry. This guy's supposed to be a top five prospect for the White Sox organization, number one, a uh, first round draft pick, and you're comparing him with a bunch of scrubs like David Fletcher. <laughs> oh, they're on, they're on. 
<laughs> the only reason you get them is because they're going to bat over 300. Who cares about batting average if you're not doing anything else with it? You know who also batted three over 300 a long time ago for the White Sox? Mike Caruso. And where is he at? Nowhere to be found. He's not even a part of White Sox lore. But, you know, we fall in love with these prospects and don't want to criticize them. And we just want to sing their praises. If the upside is supposed to be here, Nick Magic goes down here somewhere. Nowhere near that upside. I'm he had sorry. 35 I'm hits in 29 games. I don't care. Like, who cares if it was only three doubles? Who cares? The batting profile that he showed in the minor leagues as well. Lawrence Holmes, a local broadcaster here in Chicago, when he first saw him, decided, you know what? I don't, I'm, I'm not buying it either. His new nickname is Slappy. We call him Slappy. That's who he is. He's a slap happy, slap nut. You know, I mean, his highest slugging percentage in the minors was 451 in double A in 42 okay, games. Okay, the, the, I mean, the, you're right. not, I'm, I'm well, not expecting a 500 slugging percentage anytime soon. Could it I'm come not, in the if, future? If he Maybe. I'll be fine with that. I'm not seeing 450 from a guy who's only doing 84 mile per hour, but, but he's an automatic out. He's an automatic yeah, but, out. An automatic out. out. He batted 340. <laughs> you have to use batting average. It's anti-calorie batting average. It doesn't matter. I mean, okay, fine. Roto. Oh, so 376 on base isn't good, right? 376 on base isn't good? Does he have enough speed to steal that many bases? Yes, where he's fast. I don't. I don't buy it. He's. I think people just love the fact that he's a little short guy that that, that kind of reminds them of themselves and 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 – they kind of see themselves in Nick Magical. Well, I'm sorry. We're not here to do anybody favors. We're 2021 is a championship caliber team. And you got a couple of two more automatic outs on the bottom of your lineup, regardless of the high batting average. I mean, shit, plenty of people. Tommy Listell can hit for a high batting average. It doesn't mean he's any, he's going to be anything like special or whatever. But so, I mean, no, man, I'm like, I need more. I need more. I'm always like, this team just likes to just rest on their laurels. And just like, oh, well, well, if we don't make it, at least the kids are developing again. Screw that. They've been developing this whole time. I, it's put up or shut up time. But the, the, the league is there. The world for the taking. Just, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not much. Just add more talent, add more depth, add more to the roster, and, and make it work for it. I, that's, I don't know why it's such a big deal that we're, I want to see Nick Magical start a little bit. can, you know, get more lift bad of his little slap so, so in terms of obviously we're not going to agree on Nick Madrigal but I think we both can agree on that Adam Engel probably shouldn't be the starting left fielder on a championship caliber team no, like the White Sox and that's so, the same mentality that, that a lot of the White Sox fans oh well, it doesn't matter Adam Engel's your seventh hitter your number nine hitter whatever it did matter because he that's what happens when you have Adam Engel, your starting outfielder. You get eliminated by the Oakland Athletics in the first round of, of, of the wild card. So right? I'm going to list off some names. Go ahead. Uh, obviously, I think the top got, top two guys are probably out of the White Sox price range right now. And Marcelo Zuna and George Springer, uh, they seem likely to be more of pipe dreams than anything realistic. But there are some still interesting names the White Sox wanted to go <clears throat> in a free agent direction. Yeah. Someone like Jackie Bradley Jr., Michael Brantley, um, Eddie Rosario, Adam Duvall. No. Uh, there was another one here. Uh, Jock Peterson. No. Uh, Kike Hernandez. Like, are any of these guys interesting to you? Maybe Kike Hernandez, and you, and then you just kind of uh, do a time with him at second base. At least, you know, first of all, Kike Hernandez is going to be your Swiss Army utility player, right? If you come on there, I, 
Uh, but that's what Marlon Gonzalez brings. That's why I brought up Marlon Gonzalez, and Marlon Gonzalez is a switch hitter as well. So that's that's another plus for him. Uh, but yeah, it, yeah, if you can give me Kiki Hernandez to do a timeshare with Nick Madrigal and you know show him how to at least swing a bat in the major leagues and not be <laughs> slappy squirrel about things, that'd be great. I honestly would prefer if the White Sox would just go all out and get George Springer, just so I don't have to see Eloy Jimenez in left field, which is another deficiency. The reason that Adam Engel is listed as your starting left fielder is because Eloy Jimenez can't doesn't know what to do with a glove. He's like the Michael Jackson of this White Sox team, right? <laughs> so that's that's a problem. But yeah, I'm all like you know. If you're in this open championship window, right, and 2021 seems to be your year because no one else is trying but you, you got to keep going, man. You got to go for that jugular, got to go for that, uh, uh, you know, go for that kill and just make send a message to the rest of the teams in the American League. Yeah, we're not to mess with this year. And we're going to win this because we're going to pull out all the stuff. We're going to put the, the pedal to the metal, get the best talent available out there and win this goddamn World Series, right? But, you know, it's the White Sox. They like to do things slowly and, and you know, they, well, we, let's make sure that everything's okay first. Meanwhile, we have a Zach Collins who's your backup catcher. He, <laughs> we're using batting average. He hit 0.63 last year. Oh, hey, man. He gets on base. He football. gets on base. He draws walks and he has power. I will not he's, a he's a left-handed hitting catcher. It, it is what it is. Yeah, not last year. And another reason. That, yeah. So, yeah, another f failed first-round pick from uh, – what's his name? Rick Hahn. Was, if it wasn't for all these trades that he's made, this rebuild has, would be looking really god-awful right now for him. But he got lucky because he got a bunch of players that he signed short-term and got a bunch of prospects back. So we all know that story. Uh, number three – I'm sorry. Your number four and number five starting pitchers as of right now are Dylan Michael Kopech with maybe Ronaldo Lopez sneaking in to uh, compete for those last two spots. That uh, I – that's I'm gonna be patient. That's that, but that stuff does drive me crazy. You you're gonna depend on two prospects in a championship caliber year for your team to put you over the top and and complete an entire season. Well, we've seen that these young guys can't. Do, I mean, look at the Dodgers. They needed to do that little piggyback thing that they did. It works for them because well, number one, shortened season. Number two, their arms are actually better than these uh, than these guys. Or at least they're a little bit more established than these two guys that I just mentioned. So now we got two unestablished guys at the bottom of the rotation, and that kind of scares me. I'm hoping that the that the top three and Lucas Giolito, Dallas Keiko, and Lance Lynn uh, work out to their advantage and and kind of uh, you know sweep any deficiencies under the rug that the Dylan sees and Michael Kopech might bring for this year. Uh, but the reason that we're excited for this team is because if Dylan sees and Michael Kopech do pitch to their upside to their lofty high ceiling. That's a hell of a number five-man rotation right there. Yeah. It, it's just killer. So which brings me to – okay, so if I'm this – in my too early prediction of the World Series winners, because, you know, I'm pretty sure uh, we're going to have a final prediction show sometime in March, right, Sean? I'm assuming that's how I've envisioned it. But we talked about the Mets last week. We talked about the White Sox this week. Ergo, my conclusion is – we just talked about the, the two representatives. In the White Sox and Mets, especially if those two teams don't do the, what they usually do, is that they tap their toe on the water and see if it's too cold or not. Uh, but if they keep going the way they're going and keep, can continue to uh, bring in talent to put them over the top, I mean, we talked about it last week with the Mets and we're talking about it with the White Sox this week. We might be seen. We might just review by accident or, or maybe by design. Who knows? Life group serendipity. I always talk about it. We might have just been talking about our two World Series representatives for the 2021 World Series uh, in October. Look at you with the yeah, go bigger. Sh yeah, shocking me. Um, I, I 
in other White Sox news, uh, one of the international free agents you guys signed is going to be a very familiar name. Uh, Yoelki Cespedes, he was one of the, he's the younger half-brother of Yoannis, um, and he's one of the older international free agents. I think you believe he's already 22 or 23, um, but you, we were talking about an open left field, um, you know, who's still a free agent, right? Uh, go ahead. Yoannis Cespedes. Oh my God, that's right. Would you want Yoannis Cespedes in left field at guaranteed rate? I, I, I I, I like the bat, despite all the the zaniness that happens when you bring it. He's projected like, for a minus four war. I'm sorry, what was that? He's projected for a minus four war. <laughs> minus point four. Wow, that's awful. I mean, I, I still like the bat. I think there's some something left in his bat. Unfortunately, you 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 end up with the same problem with having Eloy Jimenez. Yeah. Uh, at least Juanes Cespedes has a better arm. But he, from what I remember from the statistics that I remember when I when he was playing on a regular basis. He's not to be trusted in the outfield as well. Like again, it's it's he's slight. I mean, at this point, I'm just the way I'm talking about it, it seems like he's a slightly better version of of Kyle Schwarber, who also has a good arm. But it's also an adventure watching him play left field. But we already have that guy in Eloy Jimenez. That's why again, Adam Mangle is your starting left fielder. If George Springer can just come in, and if if Jerry Reinsdorf can just just forget about how much the guy's going to cost or whatever and just bring it in solidify that outfield because you already got adam eaton who's a really good outfielder in right field and you got lois robert who's gold gold glove caliber for years to come and george springer i mean you're set your outfield your defensive outfield is set you don't have to worry about Eloy. you don't have to worry about adam angle being in the outfield you're done over and done with you can move on and try to find a a veteran second baseman to uh timeshare with slappy over there slappy squirrel so <laughs> So yeah, man. But no, it's like okay. So Melvin is saying it's too soon. It's never too soon. It's never too late. Nothing is linear. There's no, you know. Well, first you got to lose in the second round before you lose in the third round, and then you got to lose in the World Series before you lose in the in the in the, in the World Series before you win your championship. It doesn't work that way. It's either you do it now, or you just ha or you hope for the best next year. And when you hope for the best for the next year, disaster strikes. Right? Ask the freaking Yankee fans how long they've been waiting for that. This Yankees team has been championship caliber for almost what what would you say four or five years now they have zero championship to show for it and that's what it is i mean it's 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 an era of of high parity high variance high randomization you can forget about it either you do it now or you or, or you never get a chance to do it again that's why this is why i'm kind of desperate and i'm kind of like um I'm, I'm screaming at the top of my lungs jerry please don't rest on your laurels continue to acquire talent by any means necessary and solidify this this uh, this roster, please, because it, it's may, it may be now or never, and that's I don't know. I I just feel like that's the way you got to look at things here. Yeah, it's uh, I, I just wanted to put a bow on my my Cespedes thing. Uh, he's played in forty six games over the last two years, one hundred and ninety one plate appearances, eleven home runs, so the pop is still there, along with a four seventy seven slugging. But he is a thirty four percent strikeout rate guy now. I think whatever team signs him, he is going to be some 250, 310, 475 hitter that really should not be playing the outfield. And, I mean, he was already terrible in the outfield his first two years with the Mets, and then it just got worse. And then he has artificial legs now. Like, he's <laughs> basically like Bioman. But um, it was interesting that you are trying to, you know, pair the White Sox and Mets because if you go by Fangraph's uh, projected team war, uh, 
team number four mm-hmm. behind the Yankees, Dodgers, Padres is the Mets at 41.6. Team number five at 38.9, the Chicago White Sox. So I, I think these teams are, like you said, a whole lot closer than we, we realize. Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, don't put me in, your, in the we. I'm telling <laughs> you right now that they're, that they're right there. That if they really want it, and if they don't just like pussyfoot around, they can have it. I, I mean, I know it's it's, it's, <laughs> just grab it, man. Just grab it by the you know what. Get that breath. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I mean, man, do you, do you, 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 you think this team could compete with the New York Yankees in the AL? I mean, it's going to be tough. But I mean, I'm looking at what the Yankees are doing, and they're celebrating because they resigned their second baseman. You know, <laughs> I agree. I agree. Back, like, all the other players that haven't done anything in terms of team accomplishments it's the same old group of cast of characters that keep losing to the tampa bay rays and i although like i said tampa's gonna look weaker because oh i don't know they decided not to uh keep their starting rotation from last year which is really stupid oh well aside from tyler glass now but we all know that tyler glass now is not gonna carry that Rays team to a world series or or even an alcs or anything like that i mean i always like the yankees i really do but it's like they gotta it's it's put up or shut up time like you have all this talent and you're not, you're, 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 it's like, what is that, that whole saying? You, you're going to do the same thing. I'm really bad with cliches. Sorry about that. <laughs> it's like you're doing the same uh, process and expecting different results. It's the same cast of characters, very talented group, but they haven't done anything. And their, and their bench isn't as good. And their rotation ha- has as many question marks as the White Sox. And their bullpen doesn't look as strong as it, as it did in years past. So why not? Why, why, why keep going through the whole uh, status quo and oh, let's just pick the Yankees and be safe? And why not just have the White Sox be at the top of that list as of right now? Why not have them as contenders? Because they're, I mean, it's it's a coin flip at this point, right? I, I would imagine. Yeah, looking at uh, the White Sox projected WAR, uh, just to um, never give up a fight. Nick Madrigal is projected to have the one, two, three, four, fifth highest team war on the team at 2.9. He's projected to have the highest batting average, the highest on base, and the um, slugging percentage slightly behind uh, Adam Eaton. Actually, ahead of Adam Eaton. He's seven points ahead of Adam Eaton. Wait, wait, wait. Is Adam Eaton starting in left field, or is he the starting right fielder? He should be right field. He's he's been successful right field since uh, they got him out of right field because, you know, there's another guy who's a slap happy hitter over there, but Fangraphs <laughs> is doing the whole. Yeah, we we expect the 90th percentile uh, upside to be obtained in 2021 for Nick Madrigal. We know better. We know that it's it for a guy who only, like you said, only got 100 plate appearances in last year or 100 at bats, whatever the case might be. And you all of a sudden in year number two, he's just gonna jump up and reach his 90th percentile projection as a as a prospect. Get the fuck out of here. I'm sorry, that, that's a little bit too optimistic. Listen, man. Like I said, it's a championship caliber team. Act like it. It doesn't hurt that depth, especially at at your weaker position. There's a reason why Magical is batting ninth because it's a weaker position for this team. So bring him. Really, honestly, he should be batting first or second. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, if I were the manager, if I was Tony Larusa, there is not a chance in hell that he would not be batting first or second. That might, I mean, listen, uh, that, that's he fits the profile, right? He really fits the profile. I don't know how fast he is, though. I, I don't trust his speed because Tim Anderson is still the fastest, probably the fastest guy on the team, well, outside of Luis Robert. But you can make a case for Luis Robert also to be at the number one just because that way he doesn't see so many, like, breaking pitches that 
he can lay off of. But between Tim Anderson and Nick Madrigal, and then you brought in Adam Eaton, I mean, what what is what are you supposed to do? I mean, there's again, I, I would be the crazy person who puts uh, Adam Eaton one and Nick Madrigal two. Yeah, I mean that makes sense, but and then like Tim Anderson or Yoan Moncada. Th- the only issue with that is you're not having Tim Anderson in the top one or two, which would seem to defeat the purpose. Seeing as I'm pretty sure he's played almost all of his games there in the in the last year or so. Yeah, yeah. I mean he, he batted first all of uh, 2020, and then in 2019 mm-hmm. uh, he bat he had 291 plate appearances, uh, batting second. So he he really needs to be in one of those two holes, probably. Well, listen, man. Uh, Tim Anderson has proven and has shown that whatever approach, whatever wacky, crazy approach he's bringing on a year-to-year basis, it works for him. Remember, this is a guy who who kept posting walk-to-strikeout rates of like 0.2, which is laughable. That's Alcides Escobar territory right there. But he makes it work. And he's athletic. He's dynamic enough. Where yeah, I could, I, you know, even though I'm, I'm a like the, that ardent, you know, money ball guy. That you know, let, let's let's take a, let's put a guy that can take pitches and draw walks and 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 not swing at every pitch. I will have to admit that Tim Anderson it works well for him because he he's that dynamic of, of a player. So leave him up there. Like you said, he's obviously had experience uh, leading off for this team for a long time now. So. It works for him. It works for the White Sox. So be it. Adam Eaton batting second. You know, it's a whole right hand, left hand, right hand, left hand kind of, uh, uh, what do you call it, um, exchange of uh, of uh, lineups there. So it makes sense. And Adam Eaton basically is the left-handed version of Nick Madrigal, but not as <laughs> I guess not as good. I mean, and, and, uh, the contact rates are pretty high. Although Nick Madrigal is younger, so he's a little bit fresher. So he should have more contact skills than Adam Eaton. But Adam Eaton is a veteran. I mean, that just goes to prove you. This goes to show you that if you bring a veteran second baseman to play uh, and to share with Nick Madrigal, Nick Madrigal would not be – Nick Madrigal would still be an afterthought in the lineup. He would still be – like the fact that Adam Eaton can out, uh, uh, be penciled in as a number two hitter over Nick Madrigal, that should tell you all you need to know about Nick Madrigal for this upcoming season. So, Oh, it just should tell you uh, how old managers view veteran players, if that, that happens. Yeah. And um, in, in terms of Nick Madrigal speed, you're you're kind of like unsure of it. Uh, in 2020, it's 28 feet per second, which was right in line with someone like Tim Anderson, who is at 28.7. So, I mean, a little bit slower than Tim Anderson, but like you said, Tim Anderson's probably one of the fastest guys on the team, not yeah. named Luis Robert. So, yeah. So there it is. Uh, but this is a really good team. Um, I, I just the reason I get it so agitated is because I want to see them do better. Like you know, because I, I saw what happened with the Cubs, right? Because I am a Cubs fan. I, I paid very good attention. And one of the things that the Cubs were able to do during their rebuild under Theo Epstein was not only were they developing players somehow, right? Because we found out that they can't develop players for shit after a while. But but they were developing players. But aside from that, the number, the other thing, the important thing that they did was they were very aggressive in the free agent market, regardless of what you think of, of the contracts that they handed out. Uh, if they, if they were like, if they were projected to sign a guy that they really wanted it, they they weren't toe tapping or dancing around like or mulling it over. They went out and got the guy. Every guy that they would say, oh, we're protected to get John Lester, Jason Hayward, blah 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 blah. But you Darvish, we're, we want these guys to be on this team. They went out and got them. No excuses, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you're a White Sox fan, however, you're used to this song. And I mean, you, you yourself, you're a Mets fan, right? Yeah. Wheeler. White Sox were very interested in Zach Wheeler. 
What happened? He took a pay cut to play for the Phillies. Oh, well, you know, we White Sox. Oh, well, we tried. Exactly, you know, we, <laughs> we tried. Oh, well, you know, we, we offered him more money. But local radio personality, Dan Bernstein, said it best. Every Listen, you can give me that nonsense that he wanted to play home in the East Coast or whatever the crap. But everybody has a price. You know, if you're a wrestling fan, Ted DiBiase said it best. Everybody has a price. Give him that price and you can watch that whole Oh, I want to be close to my family in the East Coast. Nonsense. Go to waste because it's a non sequitur at that point because they name a price. So anyway, that's the White Sox. Uh, we like them. Uh, Sean, you cannot leave me hanging. I need to hear a way too early prediction as of January 17th for your World Series uh, matchups. Uh, in I, I think it's going to be uh, Dodgers from the NL defeating the Padres in the NLDS or in the NLCS. Oh wow! And then I believe I'm looking at this. <laughs> I don't think the White Sox get there this year. I do think they they win the Central. Um, they should. I mean, and maybe this is the year the Yankees actually get to the World Series. Mm. Maybe it is. Maybe it may, that's just like a gut feeling. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, it, it's no one else is trying, including the Yankees. So that's why it's a coin flip, right? I got the White Sox. You got the Yankees. Heads or tails, right? Yeah. And the Dodgers, that's a nice, safe pick. I mean, every year. You and it's like I, I don't want to sleep on the Astros either, but I just don't know what they're – they haven't really figured out a direction yet. I still think that they could be sneaky players for someone like JT Romuto. I know in the athletic uh, – I think it was Rosenthal put out a piece kind of recapping the last week or so. Um, that the Astros weren't going to be going after Real Muto. They had talked about it. They were some rumors that they were in play for him. But now it's, you know, looking like just more Martin Maldonado is going to get most of the playing time. And it's like, yeah. Um, and then they have no left fielder. Uh, their left fielder right now is projected to be split between Chase McCormick and Ronnie Dawson, who are combined for negative 0.4 war. And then... Kyle Tucker in center field, or not Kyle Tucker, Miles Straw, who I like defensively, fat, really fast guy, but, I mean, that's your center fielder. Your only good outfielder is Kyle Tucker. What? <laughs> so um, I, I feel like they went from having way too many outfielders to having no outfielders. No, they, they lost Marisnik. They lost Brantley. They lost um, Josh Reddick. They, they need some outfield help right now. Yeah, But I still think that offense is potent enough especially if Jordan Alvarez comes back the way we expect him to be. And then the pitchers, I, I like their starting rotation staff, even if without Justin Verlander, Grinky, McCullers, Valdez, Arquiti, and Christian Javier, I like all of those guys. And, um, you know, Forrest Whitley could come back. Uh, Brandon Belak could be back and break my heart. Um, <laughs> and then they, they made a, another relief pitching signing this week. Uh, they got Pedro Baez. Um, anytime, or, and then they also got Ryan Stanek a couple, uh, that was, I think yeah, at the end of talk, last week or beginning of this week, talk about um, it last anytime I see the Astros make a signing like that, it's like, oh my God, it's Ryan Presley 2.0. <laughs> it's like, these guys really did not do much. Um, but now they're going to come to Houston and they're going to sprinkle some of that pine tar dust on them. And they're going to be like the best relief pitchers in baseball. Pedro Baez already had like crazy amounts of skill. Um, yeah. For how hard he, he threw, he never really missed that many bats. Right. So it'll be interesting to see what Houston tweaks on him. But 
I, I like their bullpen. I like their rotation. They just need a couple more bats, which feels weird to say about the Astros. But uh, yeah. I think they're being slept on as American League contenders. Yeah, but for good reason. Though. I mean, like, like I said, like they haven't done anything, and who knows uh, how long they're going to They made the playoffs. They made a pretty. They made a deep run. They beat Minnesota. Yeah, well, everybody beats Minnesota. Come on. You know. <laughs> No, I mean, no, I'm talking about this offseason, though. Like, they haven't done anything. I mean, aside from a, a lot of teams haven't done anything. <laughs> well, that's, like I said, compared to the team like the White Sox, even the Yankees who resigned DJ LeMahieu, that's still a lot, a lot more than what uh, the Astros have done this offseason. Aside, again, aside from Ryan Stenek. Uh But until I see more from them, I mean, I, I, I got, you know, I'm not threatened by them this year. I like, like I said, I like the rota- like you said, I like the rotation. They still have Alex Bregman and all those cast of characters, Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, uh, America's Most Wanted, obviously. This, you know, <laughs> players in baseball right now. But until they solidify that roster, and I don't know what their plans are. I don't know how long they're willing to play. I don't know. That trash can situation that they had that uh, happened to them last season or, or whatever, however long it's been, um, that really set the tone as to what this team was going to be doing for this new decade, right? I mean. We 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 sang their praises in the playoffs last season. We we, you know, but that was last season. Yeah, 2021 is up approaching, and I'm sorry if that's the lineup you're going to bring to me. I'm not scared of you. It, it, uh, the bullpen is not as strong as it was in years past. So, but we'll see. We'll move on to uh, very minor, uh, literally minor leagues, but very minor deals happened on the 12th of January, uh, Tuesday. Uh, Drew Butera signed by the Rangers. Uh, wow, I didn't realize he was 37 years old. Uh, but here's the guy I wanted to talk about. Aaron Manley Alcantara, way back when I was uh, writing regularly, uh, Sean, as you could appreciate that as you yourself are uh, a scribe, a sports scribe yourself. <laughs> but I wrote an article about how the Cubs brought up Aaron Manley Alcantara. And to do so, they had to drop, uh, they had to waive uh, Darwin Barney. And I, and I marked that down as a watershed moment for this Cubs team for greater and bigger things to come in the future. <laughs> and, uh, it, I, yeah, and it started with Arismendi Alcantara, which uh, I, if people don't remember, but he was a highly touted prospect in this Cubs uh, organization for a very long time. Um, not nothing special about him in in uh, in terms of minor league numbers, except for the fact that he can see a lot of bases and maybe hit it for ten plus home runs. It just never translated to the big leagues. I mean. And now, but he's getting another chance to play uh, on a minor league deal with the San Francisco Giants, who, transition time, they saw Daniel Robertson, who I believe we talked about this last year. Daniel Robertson was with the Giants last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. But Daniel Robertson is now with the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah, um, a major league deal. That was uh, the, the shocking thing to me. In the fact that he was 27 years old, I thought Daniel Robertson was like 32. Uh, yeah, seems but to be that one figure yeah. for me. But well, um, we called and, it, didn't we? How much? Yeah, do I, I, there, he's one of those depth infield pieces that are still out there. Um, him, guys like even like Cesar Hernandez on a little bit of a higher level. Um, Brandon Drury I, I was another one of those guys that Mets signed him. So these, it seems like teams are trying to shore up their depth, even though the premier guys like Marcelo Zuna. Uh, George Springer, Trevor Bauer, the the trifecta at the top are still there. It's interesting to see teams start starting to fill out depth and then see what they have left to play with rather than sign the big piece and then get your depth. It seems like they're going a little bit backwards. But um, Alcantara, he actually he played for the Mets in 2019. He was at AA and AAA. Um, 
He actually hit really well in AAA, uh, 294, 358, 508. Of course, he's like 10 years – or actually, he's only 29, so he was probably on average about five or six years older than the average AAA player. So I guess that helps him out, but he's never really done much at the major league level, so it is what it is. Hey, hold on now. He's done plenty, man. He's shown that he could play multiple positions. Uh, he strike out 30-plus percent of the time. But he yeah, walks, well, he walks a dozen times as well. A dozen uh, – no, that's a that's a wrong <laughs> word. Sorry. 12% or higher walk break he's posted as well. He's he's a very patient hitter. He has a good, decent approach. Uh, well, let me see. I just want to check something out here. Okay, so the walk – In 70 right. games with the Reds in 2017, he had a 1.9 walk percentage. This was 70 games, 108 plate appearances. This might be the saddest slash line I've ever seen. (laughs) 1.9 walk percentage, 35.2 strikeout percentage, 171 batting average, 187 on base, 248 slugging for a grand total of a 5 WRC+. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. Are we talking about Arisman the Alcantara? Yeah. Oh, I thought we were talking about Daniel Robertson. I'm sorry. Oh, no, I, no, no, no. I'm looking at Alcantara. I am so sorry. I, I didn't mean to confuse everybody. I, I, I closed that tab a long time ago because I thought uh, we were talking about <laughs> yeah, hey, Robertson does have a good walk rate. Okay. I, I was about to say, no, like, what are you looking at? I was looking at Daniel Robertson. No, no, no. Alcantara, that was his demise. He struck out too much and didn't know how to take a walk. And uh, that speed didn't translate well with the big leagues. And, uh, yeah, that's that's unfortunate. But, but, but hey, listen, he's also versatile, right? He can play outfield. He can play second base. I think he even plays yeah, he, he plays all the, like everything. I mean, so yeah. but he uh, has a, a lot of gloves in that locker. But I don't expect him to make a mark with the Giants. Although you know the Giants uh, could use a guy like him, or not not use a guy like him. But it's just the Giants. I don't. I don't. I don't know. The Giants, they don't do anything for me. So why not take a chance on Alcantara and see what he can bring? But, you know, I, especially if Daniel Robertson's not with the team anymore. So let's transition to Daniel Robertson and talk about him. That's the guy who brings versatility. Like, you, you know, he can play all, all three, four positions in, in the infield, right? Uh, he posted a 382 on base percentage with the Rays in 2018. Um, he, he's the guy who walks at a 12% clip. Uh, limit strikeouts. He's never uh, strikeouts are a little high, but when you take a lot of pitches like Danny Robertson does, yeah. you are going to strike out a lot just because that's the nature of the beast. But you know he will uh, drive up those pitch counts against opposing starting pitchers and bullpen guys. Um, there's a lot to like, and the best part is Sean. He's not your starting. He's not starting. He's on your bench. But he, the Brewers look a lot stronger with him uh, on their bench. And if let's say that Orlando Arcia or Luis Urias or even Keston Kiora don't pan out or are struggling. I don't know. Call me crazy, but at least they have that veteran infielder that can step in and and show these young whippersnappers how it's done, right? You know, something of course. to consider with Nick Magical. But I'm crazy. I'm a fucking lunatic. But no, <laughs> is the perfect piece for this Brewers team as they have a lot of questions, a lot of uh, uh, what do you call the crossroads guys, uh, young crossroads guys who are like, how old are these guys? Are under 26 years old. So, I mean, Orlando RC has been in the league forever. And he hasn't done anything. Nope. So, I like that signing. Good for the Brewers. Uh, and, uh, well, I mean, we I have the Brewers thing open. Might as well talk about them. Um, I, I just want to hit on it before we, we move yeah. past it. But you're uh, saying that Amarista in, for Barney was the watershed moment for the Cubs. Hey, yeah. remember there was a time that Mike Trout was demoted to make <laughs> room for Alexi Amarista? <laughs> <laughs> It, but listen, man, 
There was a lot of question marks about Mike Trout. Let's not, let's not, <laughs> let's not pretend that this guy was a slam dunk prospect. Uh, I, I, saw, I saw him listed at, not even as a top five uh, overall prospect, top 10, top 15 maybe, but he had a lot of question marks. Uh, Entering 2011, he was right behind Bryce Harper, according to Baseball America, okay. according to this article. <laughs> All right, because in 2013, I think I ranked him as my number 10 or number 11 prospect, uh, citing that he struck out too much or some crap like that. I was young. I didn't know any better. But um, everybody had question marks about Mike Trout. Like, like I think people were more sure about Jason Hayward in 2011. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for or, sure. Or uh, whatever year. I forgot what year it was. 2008, maybe? I don't know. It's been a long time now. But um, Mike Trout, yeah, he had more question marks about him than guys like Dominic Brown or Jason Hayward. And, you know, shows how much people know about anything, right? <laughs> Silly us Silly trying us. to predict the future. But the, the, speaking of which, the Brewers, uh, another guy who I uh, was able to uh, look deep into in 2013 when I did my top 100 prospects uh, in that winter um, of 2012-2013, Christian Yelich was still young, uh, top 100 Barely, I guess I forget, but, but he was way up there on the list because he was so young, raw, and but he there was a lot of tools that were very excitable. Um, he had a very bad season uh, by his standards last year. Um, do we just chalk it up to it being a twenty twenty uh, anomaly, or is he is this going to be a new thing for him to uh, uh, with the struggles that he? Oh, had? There was a, a really good tweet. I'm not going to have the time to find it. But I think it's very much anomalous. I think, I mean, you're still looking at 99th percentile exit velocity, 98th percentile hard hit percentage, 88th percentile expected WOBA, uh, 98th percent walk rate, uh, no, not 90, 98th percentile in walk rate, uh, 18.6. Obviously, the strikes went up, the whiffs went up, but I think it was a lot of early struggles in its hard he instead of getting really hot and moving past it he just kind of did what his normal thing was but he started in such a deep hole that it was really hard to dig out of because those first like 10 or so games were just brutal horrible. they were horrible i mean yeah. he had I think, like 10 strikeouts in just like three games or something like that <laughs> like it, it, was, it was rough but well, um yeah i'm not christian yelich the only thing about his 2020 that i loved is the fact that because of his 2020, I can get him at like the back end of the first round in a lot yep. of fantasy. Games. I can get him, and I saw somebody get a Christian Yelich, Jose Ramirez one-two turn in a <laughs> uh, 15, 12 or a 15 team league. It was insane. I'm like, oh my god, talk about a way to start a team. Yeah, I noticed that, and I, I also see Jacob DeGrom going in the first round, which and I have that keeper league, that, that head-to-head points league. I, ooh, I'm excited because I have two first-round draft picks on my team, so I'm off to a great start there. But let's talk about the Brewers really quick since, like I said, I have the tab open. Uh, they have a decent lineup. I'm not going to run through all the names, but I did mention all the question marks. They had Luis Arias, uh, uh, Orlando Arcia, and Keston Hiura, who I really absolutely love Keston Hiura, but he needs to cut back on those strikeouts. Uh, but they got those... Uh, those two other guys and you bring in a Daniel Robertson to kind of spell them and, and bring in a different approach. Hey, you know who they also have? What? They're bringing Vogel back. Yeah. Vogelbach. Oh, oh my God. I love Daniel Vogelbach. He is. Yeah. And he's going to hit tanks. He's, he's yeah. a, t- my name's Daniel Vogelbach and I hit dingers. Or that, he, he's that guy. <laughs> so decent lineup. Uh, I, I like their bench better than I like the White Sox. Man, like Jacob Nottingham's probably is finally going to get some uh, 
uh, notoriety here um, as a catcher slash first baseman. Uh, Jacob Nottingham was one of the first uh, trades that David Stearns, the general manager, made uh, with his former team, the Astros. Uh, but Billy McKinney, former Cubs farmhand, uh, one of the uh, big pieces in that play. Was, uh, yeah, he was of Cubs and then Yankees, or, or Yankees and then Cubs. Uh, Cubs, Yankees, Blue Jays. Okay, there you go. Yeah, but uh, again, like, all you need, all you need, if you're if you're making these big trades for like an established player, you're bringing bringing back all these minor leaguers. All you need is one guy to hit. Yep. And that one guy was Gleyber Torres. Everybody else, including Billy McKinney, could just go by the wayside at this point. And uh, Billy McKinney, only 26 years old. But this is what I wanted to talk to you about, man. I love – you know me. I love their pitching in, in Milwaukee. They're, they're, like a, the Cleveland, they're like the Cleveland Indians, uh, but uh, not as uh, strong or not as effective in manufacturing these pitchers like the Indians do. But the Brewers uh, have shown over, over the last couple of years that they are more than willing uh, to – work with these pitchers and and maximize their potential. I mean, Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns as a top two, who would have thought that that would actually be a very scary one-two punch uh, in baseball? And that does, and I'm not even getting to, and you, well, actually, let's talk about that right now. You put in your, uh, you posted something about, uh, you posted a poll, which is the best bullpen out of the, out of these teams. And you named three players and the three players that you mentioned for the Brewers were Josh Hader, Devin Williams, Brent Suter, and that's nothing to say about that. They still have Freddie Peralta in the back end. Mm -hmm. as a, as I, a I almost subbed him in. Uh, There's yeah. one other team that I did sub in a player. Uh, the Rangers, I put Demarcus Evans instead of Jolie Rodriguez just because yeah. who gives a hell about Jolie Rodriguez. If you're listening, Jolie Rodriguez, I'm sorry. I'm sure you're a very good player, and I'd love to interview you one day. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> Got to put uh, that disclaimer out there. Oh, who did you vote for? I voted for the Brewers just because I, I love that. I'm, I'm a homer. I, I picked the Mets. I, oh, I yeah, think it's the right amount of length from a guy like Lugo who gives you great length. I mean, it's not just like he can eat innings for you. It's um, But then Trevor Diaz – Trevor Diaz. <laughs> that's what I'm going to call him, Trevor Diaz. Yeah. Uh, those two guys in your eighth and ninth, seventh, eighth, ninth, those all three combined, um, I think they were just the most well-rounded of the three. Granted, Hendricks – um, Hewer and Bummer, I it is a really close second for me. I mean, they're right on their heels. Um, if uh, Hewer and Bummer were a little bit more proven, had a little bit more track record, someone like Lugo or uh, Trevor May, then I'd, I'd probably vote that way. I was gonna say, um, I believe it, I don't remember where the uh, the rankings had my rankings had the Brewers, but I believe that they were definitely listed ahead of the Cubs. Uh, with my composite rankings, the FUBAR rankings, and it's pretty much the same team coming back. So, but you're hoping if you're the, a Brewers fan that the offensive woes that really, uh, really uh, held this team back last season are able to kind of fix themselves in uh, in a positive regression sort of way. Uh, do you see this offense rebounding in 2021 to keep up with their pitching? They're a really good pitching staff here. I, I'm not sure because really the only pieces I like in this lineup, um, I either love the players in this lineup or I hate them. Yelich, uh, <laughs> Hira, Vogelbach, Narvaez, love. Luis Urias, I'm getting tired of loving. Um, it's just yeah. I feel like he's one of those guys that the it's just not going to translate. Because if you looked at his minor league numbers in San Diego, oh my, like it was so easy to just like, have your mouth water over this guy. Yeah. He was walking a lot. He had a high batting average, but
but in every single stop at the major league level in parts of three seasons now. I mean, he debuted in 2018 and 50 plate appearances. Uh, he's combined for a 226 average, 315 on base, and a 320 slugging. I mean, the walk rate is still somewhat high. It's 9%. It's not the 12 and 13% that we were seeing from him in the minors. And then you pair that with a he's a smaller frame guy. He's only 5'9". Yeah. And he's in the minors, he had okay ISOs and slugging percentages, but I just, I'm not sure if it's going to translate. I, I really, I'm not sure. And especially if he's slated to be their third baseman, like roster resource has him right now. Yeah. I, I'm not sure the bat profiles as a third baseman. It's, <laughs> and then Orlando Arcia is, I'm tired of. Yeah. Um, Abisayel Garcia is either a hit or a miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lorenzo Kane could be completely done. I mean, we don't know. We only only saw him for about five games last year. Um, at best, he's a good on-base guy in front of Christian Yelich, and mm-hmm. you pick him in the very, very late rounds of a 15, 20-team league and just hope you get runs from him. Like, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm avoiding it, It's interesting that Milwaukee, I'm now starting to like their pitching more than I am their hitting. It's a weird thing that they're going through right now. Yeah, well, we talked about it last year, and that that the, their pitching was the strong suit. It was the strongest uh, pitching staff in all the division last year. And again, the 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 hitters were their hitting lineup was just, which was off. expected to be a strength. I mean, yeah, they, that was a they were they were talking up that revamped lineup. You know, bringing Avisail Garcia in. Yeah. Narvaez in who I mean yeah. I still like Narvaez so I'm always yeah, going to draft him. <laughs> I, I am not. I am avoiding him. Um, it's, you know, something we didn't get a chance to talk about was uh, how how are you approaching relief pitching draft? But I guess we could talk about that uh, some other time because you know we brought up you know Liam Hendricks and now we're talking about the Brewers. I'm like oh I, I knew I, I wanted to mention something to you that was fantasy more fantasy relevant, but we can talk about that some other time. Um, let's uh, quickly move on to oh you, okay so. January thirteenth, uh, notable um, notable signings: Justin Anderson going to the Texas Rangers on a minor league deal. Uh, Jace Peterson, uh, another slap happy hitter, who as another player I I, uh, I was able to deep dive way back in twenty thirteen. High on base guy, uh, slappy hitter, good walk rate. Right? Huh? He he was always like the first bat off the bench. Uh, for those Braves teams in like 2014, yeah. 2015. And he always put together a good at bat whenever he pinched it. Like it was, he was a, a hard out. He's not a great yeah. player, but he's a good bench piece. Yeah, I, I always liked him, but it, for some reason it didn't, it never translated. And now he's already 31 years old, signed to a minor league deal with these same Milwaukee Brewers. Who, yep. hey, again, uh, if, uh, if they want Craig Council, the reincarnation of Craig Council to be managed by Craig Council, He's right there if you want him. If in case that uh, what's his face, Arcia and Urias uh, struggle, but yeah, Chase Peterson, just like Urias, former Padres farmhand. Uh, you mentioned Pedro Baez, who we've always liked, and I cannot believe he's already thirty-three years old. It seems like yep, he's been around for yesterday. a long time. It seems like it was only yesterday that he was like 24, 25 years old, going up the Dodgers bullpen or Dodgers farm system and lighting up the radar at 98, 99 miles per hour and getting lit up by the Cubs. Quickly moving on to January 14th, Alex Wood, Archie Bradley, Jose Martinez. So let's start with Alex Wood to the Giants. That's a really good signing by them, huh? Yeah, I, I he is another one of those arms that they've brought in kind of on the down low. 
um, Alex Wood, Anthony DiScalfani, and of course, you know, they had re-signed Kevin Gosman on the qualifying offer. So that's like three of their five starting lineup or starting rotation there. Um, of course, going to the bigger park, um, Alex Wood's question, I don't think has ever really been ability. Um, obviously, I think he struggled in 2020. Uh, it was his first season back. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, the strikeouts were up, walks were up. He had a six ERA. So yeah, not good. 385 BABIP though. He only pitched 12 innings. So I'm not I'm not looking too far into that. A 385 BABIP over 12 innings. Um but in 2018, he threw 150 innings, uh 3.6 ERA for the Dodgers. I've always thought his stuff could generate more whiffs than it's at because his career is only an 8.27 K per nine. So um the new direction that the Giants seem to be going in. I like the addition of a guy like Alex Wood. Um, I like Di Sclafani going out there. Um, I like Kevin Gossman staying there. Yeah. Um, they're filling out their rotation with a lot of guys that I target kind of late in drafts as just complete flyers. It's how I used to draft like Miami starters because I knew they'd be playing in Miami and yeah. I knew that I could get some cheap wins sometimes. And so it's like the Giants are going to be the new Marlins for me. Well, it's said that the Marlins are a lot younger. I mean, this is this is an old man's uh, rotation. Uh, Kevin Gossman's thirty. Johnny Cueto's going to be thirty-five. Anthony Discofani also thirty-one. I mean, that's how old we are. I, I remember Discofani um, was coming up the Reds system and going to be uh, solving all their all their rotation problems, and that didn't come to fruition. Alex Wood is at thirty now and looking like a very old thirty, but I still like him just for the simple fact that he uh, does have a little bit of upside left. Logan Webb's the youngest guy at 24 years old, and I don't think he's anything special. And then I look at the farm system. There's really nothing there, man. There's like they got a couple. Joey Bart, that's about it. Joey Bart, Helio Ramos. There's just um, the pitching alone, though. There's like nobody coming up to kind of spell these old guys. And I mean, yeah, they got some mid tier uh, uh, in the rankings, like uh, Gregory Santos and uh, Seth Corey and all those guys, but. There, there's uh, nothing on the horizon coming soon to spell this team and uh, get them to that where they need to be when, when they were in the early 2010s, bringing up uh, what's their name, Matt Cain, Tim Lincecum, Madison Bumgarner, all those guys. This is not it. They got yeah, nothing coming out the, the one minor league arm that I do really like in the giant system is I'm going to butcher the last name um, Sean Helly, Yelly, H J E L L E. And I mainly like him because he's six foot eleven, and I think that's insanely cool that there's going to be a pitcher, and, and he profiles to pitch in the majors probably like as soon as next this upcoming year. Yeah. Um, super high ground ball rate, um, doesn't walk batters. He could get lit up, who knows? Um, but he keeps the ball on the ground, and I really just want to see someone who's six eleven start a game. That would be fun. <laughs> and I want to see somebody like maybe stuff his uh, cleats a little bit, so it goes all the way up to seven feet on like when they measure him, that, and just have him like in the the box score. Sean Helly, seven foot starting pitcher. Oh my god, I, I I'd love that. I wonder where he's from. That sounds like a very Scandinavian name, you know? Like, wonder maybe he's a real Viking, not a Minnesota. <laughs> um, yeah. he. Went to college at University of Kentucky. High okay. school is uh, Matomedi High School in Minnesota. 
Oh, okay. So close enough. Uh, yeah, Minnesota Viking. <laughs> Minnesota Vikings. There's a large Scandinavian population up there as well, from what I remember, what I believe. Uh, the Minnesota people can correct me on that one if I'm wrong. Uh, who else was uh, uh, signed? There was a couple of names. On, oh, Archie Bradley to the Phillies. Uh, Archie Bradley, former decent reliever, uh, reliever now. Um, I don't know. I don't like him, but he he'll fit in real well with the Phillies. Uh, with the Phillies bullpen, who was historically bad. Once again, loads of fantasy players are going to draft Archie Bradley Not with the guy. hopes and ideas of thinking that he's going to get 30 saves, and by the end of the year, he won't even be pitching in the ninth inning. No, that, I, that, I, that's been the story with Archie Bradley for like four years now. Yeah. Ever, he's going to be the closer. He's going to be the closer. Not used as a closer. And there's another. That's another guy who was a failed starting pitcher for the Diamondback. Mm-hmm. Who they decided, oh, you know, let's put him on the bullpen. And yeah, there, he, he was great as a as a late inning uh, reliever. But in the ninth inning to close out games, he has uh, been very shaky. And right now, roster resource has him listed as sharing closer duties with Hector Neris, another guy who's I had high hopes for for last season. And that's another guy who's been very awful in the ninth inning. I mean, this this whole Phillies bullpen has just been crap. Uh, for the last year or so, especially last year. Uh, they did sign Jose Alvarado, which who I'm a, I'm a big fan of, but he did have a down year last season. So we'll see. But um, uh, Phillies look like they're, they look like a mess right now, a complete and utter mess. They got some guys to like, but this is not a good team. I'm sorry. Sorry to all the Philly fans. If they re-sign J.C. Ormuto, is that considered a successful offseason? No, I mean, I mean, it is because you kept your catcher, the, the best catcher in all of baseball. But at the same time, you still have so many, so many holes to take care of. And your your last rebuild was a complete disaster. This is the reason that they went to a different approach, right? And signing all these free agents and all these veteran players. And that's also been a disaster, but it's with more costlier uh, motives. But none of this is happening if J.P. Crawford and uh, Michael Franco and Odubel Herrera uh, were actually successful in Philadelphia. If those guys would have been successful, we've been we'd be probably talking something different about these Phillies team, but they did. You see, I don't mind. Uh, their bullpen is a complete mess. Uh, it it was in 2020. It was in 2019. They really haven't done much to fix that. I mean, yeah. they signed Archie Bradley. Whoop de do. Um, their their starting lineup, I don't mind. Uh, they have no depth. Both for mm-hmm. position players and in the rotation uh, because they're starting five. I, I I would be okay with their starting five. Nola, Wheeler, Eflin, Velasquez, Howard, uh, Spencer Howard being the really touted rookie, uh, only made a couple of starts, I think, in 2020. I like them, especially Zach Eflin. Zach Eflin's a guy I'm trying to scoop up in, like, every league. Um, I love Alec Bohm. Uh, Reese Hoskins is looking like he might have figured something out. But after, I mean, the lower third of that lineup, Andrew Knapp, Scott Kingery, and Roman Quinn. Like, I would that, say Gene Segura, uh, from five to eight, Gene Segura, is a, it's a massive drop-off from Reese Hoskins to Gene Segura at number four, number five, if, if the lineup is the way it is. And for those who can't see, it's Andrew McCutcheon, Alec Baum, who I like, Bryce Harper, Reese Hoskins, Gene Segura, Andrew Knapp, as I like to call him, Scott mm-hmm. Kingery, and Roman Quinn. Uh, that's not, no, dude, that's not that's, I mean, we talk about the Mets and how awesome they are. This is the complete opposite side of the spectrum here. This is complete crap. They have no depth. Hey, you, you guys hear that? That is from a totally unbiased White Sox fan. Who's saying that the, who's saying that the Phillies are better than the Mets? Uh, I'm sure there are some people like, no uh, I eat Phillies, Phillies fans. 
No, I, I, well, Phillies fans, they like to brag about how smart they are and how <laughs> knowledgeable they are. If they're saying that this team is better than the Mets, they, listen, I like the rotation. But the rotation was pretty decent last year, too. And without, every time they leave the game, the bullpen has to come in, and it's just game over. <laughs> I, I, I laughed at all the people who said, oh, well, the Cubs would have lost to the Phillies in the world's, uh, in the uh, playoffs last year, just like the Marlins beat them. Uh, I'm sorry. The, the Phillies' bullpen was such a trash a, a, a real trash heap of garbage. The, even the Cubs offense would have uh, resurrected against the Phillies last year. Um, but no, it, this, like you said, lack of depth on the, on the hitting lineup, uh, no bullpen to speak of whatsoever. No, th- this isn't, this is a disaster. I don't know where, where people are. If you're a Phillies fan, I don't know how you can be optimistic at all. Um, so in, uh, their 2020 team rankings, just also playing around with, uh, less used part of roster resource. Their relief pitchers ranked 30th in ERA, 30th in whip, 17th in walks per nine, 12th in strikeouts per nine, yeah. 30th in hits per nine, and 30th in home runs per nine. I, I don't get it. Uh, I, it's I, to say they were the worst bullpen in baseball. No, that's, I wrote an article that is saying that historically speaking, they could have been the worst bullpen in baseball history, let alone in, 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 in modern times. This is historical proportions here, Sean, and I, and I, it just drives me, I don't get it. I don't get the logic why people are, are, are even talking about the Phillies like they're going to do something in 21. It's just going to be another wasted year for all those uh, good players that they have in Bryce Harper and uh, I guess Reese Hoskins. And even Reese Hoskins has, anyway, I don't want to, this isn't Phillies talk. I'm done. I don't want to talk about them. Uh, Jose Martinez, we talked about it last week, right, Sean? Like, you know, if, if the if the Mets can bring in another right-handed bat, that would bring so much balance to the lineup. And here he is. Jose Martinez signs a one-year deal with the New York Mets. Uh, this is what I'm talking about. Keep adding yeah. depth. Keep adding you know talent. Keep adding I, I've been, yeah. I, the, the Mets needed to add depth. And, I, you know, Brandon Jury, Daniel Robertson was a guy who I thought profiled really well for them. Yeah. But I'm not mad at Jose Martinez. He crushes lefties. It's a very much a buy-low situation. He had a really rough year. Um, started off 2020 with the Rays, and then it was traded to the Cubs yeah. in 20, but he just never got his footing. Um, I was looking at him. He's been playing winter ball, but he's kind of been struggling in winter ball, which might make me a little worried. Maybe this is like um, uh, who was the hitter for the A's that got popped for PEDs, and he had like the two really good years, uh, first base, third baseman. Um, and then he went to the Blue Jays. Oh, God, he was an old guy. Oh, it, it, but it, he had two really good years and then flamed out, was really good at versus lefties. Maybe that's Jose Martinez. Maybe he's like off of the PEDs now. I don't know. And that's he's just completely out of the thinking about, But if you're talking about third base, first base, Jose Martinez is a first base outfielder, which my point was, it, like we mentioned, I always talk to you about this, the, 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 the Mets outfield, Nemo, Conforto. Dominic Smith, they're all left-handed. If 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 the if a pitcher, left-handed pitcher, is is to start on a random game, and Jose Martinez is available, he could spell at least two of those guys in, in the corner spots. And- if I'm the manager, like obviously you want to start Jose Martinez anytime you face a left-handed hitter. Um, but I don't think I'm taking out Nemo or Conforto for any for Jose Martinez. No, it it just Jose Martinez cannot play the outfield under no circumstances. This signing just I mean, one, he has options, which makes him useful. He still has options remaining, so they can send him down to triple A. Um wow. but if the DH is a thing, Jose Martinez is penciled in as my starting DH against left handers every single day. No I, I don't care like about anything. He needs to be playing versus left-handed hitters. 
uh, left-handed pitchers. I, yeah. I just don't want him playing the field, which has uh, always been the thing with him dating back to St. Louis. Well, also, I, I remember the name of the player. He actually never played for the Oakland A's. I'm dumb. Chris Colabella was the – yeah. He, he had like one or two really good years, and then he fell off the face of the earth. I was going to say, if you are want, wanting to start Jose Martinez and there is no DH, you're going to have to sit either Nimmo Conforto or or Dominic Smith and, and kind of make sure that he plays left field or even right field. Like I said, he could he, he he can't feel very well, but he knows his way around. I mean, he is outfield eligible for a reason. I, I mean, left field, you can comfortably put him in there and just have him bat against left-handed pitchers and give Dominic Smith a break or one of those other guys a break. It doesn't matter at this point. But, yeah, I mean, but – like I said, we talked about it. They needed a right-handed bat. They got the right-handed bat, and they didn't compromise any other uh, starting uh, outfielders to do so. So it, it's a really good signing for the Mets uh, here. I like it a lot. I, like I said, there's a reason why I like the Mets. Uh, it, it's a premier depth move. Like that, Jose Martinez is not your run-of-the-mill bench player. I mean, you looked at him when he was on those Cardinal teams that were, you know, pretty good. I, he's a guy – and, I mean, hell, the Rays targeted him. The Rays gave up Randy Arozarena. To get him, are are we going to start talking about the Rays? Maybe are starting to lose some trades here. Uh, I I just uh or no, they, the Rays didn't give him up. They they got him for. Uh, uh, don't listen to me. Oh God! All right, let's not listen oh. to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, January fifteenth, we're nearing the end here. Corey Kluber, DJ LeMahieu were the big names that were uh, signed by the New York Yankee. Uh, we we talk we we talk about DJ LeMahieu at nauseum on this podcast. It's it's a uh, any team that would have gotten DJ LeMahieu would have gotten a big win in the offseason. Uh, it just so happens that he stuck around with the Yankees. I'm pretty sure Dong City on – I don't know if they're going on Monday or not. They should. I mean, they, they, the Yankees – They got to talk about something. Well, they should go on Monday because I know they're going every other week. I think they had an episode this past week. They should go this Monday to at least talk about Corey Kluber and DJ LeMahieu. I mean, Corey Kluber, it's a decent signing too, but that's not – I don't – like I mentioned, the, the Yankee that doesn't scare me as a White Sox fan. It just doesn't. I mean, does it scare you as a as a baseball fan that the Yankees got Corey Kluber to solidify that rotation there, Sean? As I I kind of ribbed uh, the producer of um, uh, Dong City, City Roberto Martinez. Um, he posted and he said, "Let's go!" and you know had all the exclamation points, and I thought it was a, a a friendly jab that I said, wow, there's more exclamation points in this post than Corey Kluber's game started the last two seasons, which is eight. He has started eight games the last two years. Why would you be? Ex- I mean, this is a complete dart throw. And it's yeah. not like it was a, a normal like elbow injury that he just had surgery on. Or I mean, it's been a bad shoulder, a bad back. He's healed both. And then the shoulder came back. Shoulders are always like death nails to pitchers to me. Yeah. Like if they seriously mess up a shoulder, it's hard. It's hard to come back. And I think this is a complete dart throw. If he could be a solid pitcher, I he, but the Klubot days yeah, are over. Klubot days are over. He's listed as a number two starting pitcher for the Yankees. Listen, man, it's a nice. It's a nice low end deal for the Yankees. It's a really good low end deal, like back of the rotation move. Not to be, you're not supposed to depend on Corey Kluber at this point to be at the top of the rotation to team up with Garrett Cole. I mean, this is what it looks like Garrett Cole, Corey Kluber, Jordan Montgomery, who did not have a good year last year. Uh, strikeouts are up and he looks healthy from what I think he also had Tommy John surgery, if I'm correct. 
if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Davy Garcia, who I really, really, really like, but he's only 21, 22 years old. He still needs. He's, that's going to be a guy who's going who's to need to develop. Think about him as the Michael Kopech or uh, Dylan Cease of this team, and Domingo Herman, who Yankee fans were telling me how bad he was in the uh, in the winter leagues. So, and Luis Reno to come back sometime soon, hopefully one day this summer. I don't know. <laughs> one day, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, and then he's gonna need some time to rehab and develop and and get used to. So every every pitcher, uh, what do you call it? Uh, reacts differently coming off of that Tommy John surgery. So we'll see how that goes. But like I said, this team doesn't. Is this team is beatable? They're not. They're not like this powerful team like in years past. They're they're like a wounded animal. And I think as of right now, they're worse than they were last year. Because you you lose Tanaka, Happ, and Paxton, and for as much groaning as they made over Paxton missing games, over Happ being ineffective and worrying about his incentives clause and everything, those are those are guys like I, I get going for upside with you know Davy Garcia and um, Domingo Herman, but Herman Herman's a guy who hasn't pitched in what two years it, after this with the pandemic and everything. Yeah, well, like I said, he was in the winter league, so I mean, <laughs> it, it's um, giving us updates. So it is risky business with that starting rotation right now. That's it right, could Tom. be great. It could be absolutely terrible. Well, uh, it, I mean, it's, it's low risk. It's just not what you're looking for if you're a Yankees fan. Yeah, if you're number it, four, it, number it's right not a, 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 a playoff caliber rotation right now. I mean, yeah. with Cole, yes, but behind that, it's. It's, Maybe it's, if they re-sign a Paxton, re-sign a half, re-sign Tanaka, like one or two of those guys, then you have more depth built up, and yeah, then it's starting to look, yeah, it looks a whole lot better. Yeah. Um, but right now, it's um, oh, Danny Valencia was that lefty killer. I, I just finally went and looked him up. I can conv- confuse Danny Valencia and Chris Colabello. Welcome to the Total Bases Podcast, everybody. Oh man, uh, you're like prepare for the show, man. You have all yeah. this knowledge, and you can't even get those names right. Chris Colabello and Danny Valencia. What are you doing, Danny Valencia? Uh, former twin, right? Yeah, he. They were both twins. Col- that was where they. I, they both played for similar teams. That's what it was. Okay. I think they both played on the same Twins teams as well. But yeah, that Yankees uh, rotation it. I want to know if Tanaka is going back to Japan. Um, I want to know where Paxton ends up. Wouldn't it be something if James Paxton ended back up in Seattle? That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to say about that. But, uh, <laughs> Do you uh, not, their uh, pitching prospects, I don't want to go off on another tangent, but their pitching prospects are going to be really, really good. The Seattle, Seattle's doing something with their pitchers that not many people are noticing. Yeah, I remember and you talking about that last year, uh, season one. Season one, you told us that they have a certain type of pitcher that they're trying to stuck up on in their minor and they, and they added to it in the draft with Emerson Hancock out of college. So so we'll see if it actually works out for uh, – oh, God, not Billy Upler. Who's the guy? Uh, Jerry Depoto, right? Jerry Depoto, the yeah. guy who's making trades from his hospital bed. Well, that's the thing. You're assuming that these guys aren't going to get traded before. <laughs> no, he doesn't trade prospects. He doesn't trade prospects. Oh, well, I mean, he's trigger happy that way. But okay, let's see. Kurt Suzuki. Uh, in his last two years, um, don't look at tw- his 2020. His 2020 uh, baseball spot was not as pretty. But anyway, um, he's 37. He hasn't been a primary catcher really on the last five years. He's been in parts of timeshares with guys like Jan Gomes, Tyler Flowers in Atlanta. Um but he's not necessarily a backup catcher either. You know, he's one of those 50-50 guys. We see a lot of teams going to this style of catching. Uh, it's a headache to fantasy owners, but 
it's what it's how you get the best out of your catchers every day. That's right. Uh, so that yeah, like I said, I like that signing. It's not going to put the Angels over the top, but I mean, yeah, I guess it was a position that they needed to fill out anyway. And that's a that's a really good, like you said, a real good professional signing right there. Uh, Nick Williams. I wanted to talk about Nick Williams really quickly. Not not develop not uh, delve too much into him. Uh, but we mentioned the Phillies. This is a former Phillies uh, first round pick. And correct me if I'm wrong out there, but he's a I believe he's a former Phillies first round pick. Another failed prospect by the Phillies. He's now with the White Sox. Uh, hey, we talked about hey the White Sox need a left fielder. This guy can play left field, but he's only signed to a minor league deal. So we'll see if he can actually um, bring up. Also, White Sox fans telling always tell me we need a left handed bat. This guy's left handed too, so we'll see. So if that- off the top of my head, he was drafted in the second round. 93rd overall by the Texas Rangers, which makes me think he was involved in the Cole Hamels trade. Mm. He was one of the big pieces coming back in that deal, I believe. Uh, anytime I see Texas Rangers and uh, he ended up on the Phillies, I'm assuming it was the Cole Hamels deal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There were like six guys in that trade that they all traded for Cole Hamels. It was a lot of players. Oh, I, uh, no, no, no. Well, listen, we're, it's, it's late in the show. We'll, we'll talk about that some other time. Um, <laughs> Involved in that trade, though, he was. He was. Oh, he was. Oh, yep. you look it up. Okay, never yep. mind that. Who am I thinking? And, uh, Jorge Alfaro was one. Were the That's two main right. ones? Like four gigantic pitchers, I think, as well. From what I remember. Um. All right. So that's Nick Williams again. That uh, it could be a thing. It could be not. He's only what uh, twenty-seven years old. So Gosh, he's so much older. <laughs> Huh? I, said, I would have thought he was so much older, but he is only 27. I mean, he got brought up really young with the Phillies, man. I mean, yeah, and he had a couple of good years. I mean, they weren't great when he first came up, but they WRC plus is over 110 in his first year, 102 his second year, and then he was just god awful in 2019. Yeah, so he would have been maybe 22 years old, I think, when he uh, when he when he got drafted or whatever in 2012. So. All right, so that's Nick Williams. Uh, it might be a thing. It may not be a thing. But, uh, yeah, White Sox fans, you know, you don't need to get Michael Brantley. You got Nick Williams on the team. And- <laughs> that is <laughs> finally. <laughs> Martin Perez. Martin, Martin Perez, as the Angles would say. Signs with the Boston Red Sox. Uh, I forget what he did last year. Uh, but I remember that he was a, a big name. Uh, not a big name, but just a, a player that many fantasy leaguers were looking at in drafts last season. I don't know if it actually came to fruition, but looking at his numbers from last year, 17 points. Yeah, four and a half ERA. Yeah, yeah 17.6 uh, strikeout rate. So, you know, okay, so he kept doing a Martin Perez thing that he always does. Low strikeout rate, high walk rates. Um, and somehow survives. And somehow survives. I don't. I, it's, it's really a phenomenon here. And... and Oh my God, he's only 29 years old. He'll be 30 finally in April. Oh, so, so he debuted in 2012. That was eight years ago. He debuted at like 20. Wow, that's he's been around for a long time. I would have never guessed that. I, yeah, I would have thought well, he was Rangers, like 35. The Rangers are always desperate for pitching, so they, they'll bring up guys even if they're not ready. I guess I don't know. But, Your last game pitched was in high school. Come on up, kid. Come on up. Well, what are you, the White Sox? <laughs> And that's it. Those are all the transactions, the, all the free agent signings. Uh, I mean, there were no trades, like you mentioned. Arbitration, we don't, we're not going to talk about arbitration players. Uh, that's, I'm not interested in that. Either you're with the team or you're not with the team. Uh, was there anything else that I might have missed here, Sean, on these transactions before I leave? No, um, but I can't wait until we finally start being able to do our, our build lineups, and then we're going to have to like take 15 minutes out of it to announce this trade or this signing because it's taking forever. Hopefully, 
we start to get some movement that this past week was just kind of the the tip of the iceberg and the they get the ball rolling to get these big names signed and hammer out the rest of the small deals and next thing you know it'll be pitchers and catchers and then spring training and a full 162 yeah we're all a month away man and uh, manfred said that he wants to get everything started on time after saying that he wants to start everything on memorial day weekend which has kind of soured me because i haven't done any uh, serious uh, uh, scouting, uh, not not scouting, but uh, preparation for my rankings. Like the, as you know, Sean, my rankings <laughs> are like this massive project I do in the winter, and I've been kind of delayed because I've been uh, well with the baby. It doesn't. I was say, you've only been a little busy with a baby, you know. Yeah, no worries. Long work hours as well. Um, but uh, really quick, I wanted to mention something to so I could be on the record here on the show. Uh, Jacob from the Step Back Podcast over at Ballist Life, the basketball podcast, uh, mentioned that uh, was it the six eleven Giants pitcher, right? Uh, Helly. Yeah. He's actually Norwegian, huh. so he is Scandinavian, and he is a Viking. He is a Viking, and he's from Minnesota. So, Minnesota. So there you go. Uh, Matt Bushnell, our uh, buddy from the Football Life podcast, completely agrees that the Yankees are weaker than last year, or worse than last year, not weaker, worse than last year, which, uh, yeah, it's um, – like I said, man, nothing's guaranteed. Nothing's guaranteed. There is no, oh, let's lose the LDS this year to the Astros, and then we'll lose to the ALCS to the Astros next year, and then and then we're going to lose in the World Series, and then we're going to win the World Series because that's going to bring up trigger. <laughs> nothing's linear, you guys. They had their chance, and for whatever the case might be, someone cheated, someone didn't cheat it. I mean, the Astros weren't completely invincible, and if you are to believe that they've been cheating this whole time uh, during the rebuild, they only got one title out of it, and that's it. So... I don't know. I don't know who to believe. I don't know what to make of it. But uh, the Yankees have plenty of chances. I always liked the Yankees, even when they were rebuilding, uh, even when Yankee fans did not believe in them. But this is uh, this is as uh, as questionable as they had been in the last five years. So, all right. So that's it. That's a good place to stop, guys. Thank you so much for joining us, Sean. Thank you as always for uh, uh, coming through on Sunday. Uh, make sure to check out all the other podcasts. Uh, I mentioned some of them already, but Donk City, they should. I, I mean, if I'm done, I'm, I'm coming in tomorrow. But I don't know. They want to do this by uh, what's it called? Bi-weekly thing, right? <laughs> um, I always mess. The semi-weekly is our league. Bi-weekly is Dong City in January. So, okay. Football life. Uh, playoff times. Go check them out over uh, the, the Audible podcast with Matt Bushnell and Randy Hammond. Uh, the Step Back podcast with our guy Jacob and Leon Tompkins. That's Wednesday nights. Thursday is the Workshoot podcast over at Wrestling Life. And then we start your weekly um, podcast, Life Group podcast. Uh, with the Total Basis Podcast. Subscribe, share, join us at YouTube, check us out on Spotify, check us out on Apple, check us out at Stitcher, check us out on all the big platform podcasts.